everyone, this is Leah, and welcome to this week's Hashtag for Paris podcast. It is wonderful that you could join us for this week's teaching. I'll explain a little bit more about who we are at the end, but for now, let's jump right in. Hey, so let me ask you a question. Uh, would you say life is busy? Would you say that it is too busy? Is, is busyness a, a benefit for you, or is it more of a barrier, or maybe even a, a burden? Maybe you're someone watching me like, buddy, man, my life is so busy. Just get on with it. What is it all about? You see, one of the great things that Jesus talks about is the promise of abundant life, promise of a life worth living. And I don't know about you, but when I think of abundance, um, busyness doesn't always match with that. And so what does it begin to look like? What, is it, what does it look like in terms of how we live out faith and how do we follow Jesus in the midst of life and, and how do we deal with busyness. If you're just joining us for the very first time, we've been working through a series on the life of Jesus, looking at who is Jesus, what is his purpose, but then but then ultimately, what is my response? And, and we come back to this incredible invitation that Jesus gives when he says, come and follow me. And so week by week, we've been unpacking, what, is it, what does it look like in real practical ways to follow Jesus? So, so today, I, I want to look at this reality for, for many of us, that in the midst of the hustle and bustle of life, how do we respond to busyness? Is it, is it something we should be striving for as a follower of Jesus? Does Jesus want our lives to be busy? Or is there something else? And so I want to turn to an event in Jesus' life that at first, I'm going to say right, right on the cards on the table, it may not seem like there's a correlation, but just hang with me because in the end, we'll come back to this place of this reality of how do we follow Jesus in the midst of the busyness of life. And so the place we're going to land is Mark chapter 11. We've been working through the Gospel of Mark, and today we land towards the end of the final days of Jesus' life. The background is this. Jesus and his disciples are entering into Jerusalem during the Feast of Passover. Now, Passover for the Jewish people was a really, really big deal. It was a time where they celebrated uh, how God freed his people, the nation of Israel, out of the slavery of the Egyptians. And so they would come and they'd celebrate. And this was a time when Jerusalem would be absolutely packed. Like people would pilgrimage their way to Jerusalem to be a part of it. And so Jesus enters and, and, and the place is just buzzing there. They're buzzing around who Jesus is. And, and Jesus goes to the temple. And it's at the temple that something rather unique happens. And so let's read the passage, look at the original context, and then start to understand what does this mean for us? So Mark chapter 11, beginning with verse 11, it says this. It says, so Jesus came to Jerusalem and went into the temple. After looking around carefully at everything, he left because it was late in the afternoon. Then he returned to Bethany with the 12 disciples. The next morning as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. He noticed a fig tree in full leaf a little way off. So he went over to see if he could find any figs. But there were only leaves because it was too early in the season for fruit. Then Jesus said to the tree, may no one ever eat your fruit again. And the disciples heard him say it. When they arrived back in Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out the people buying and selling animals for sacrifices. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves, and he stopped everyone from using the temple as a marketplace. He said to them, the scriptures declare, my temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. When the leading priests and teachers of the law heard what Jesus had done, they began planning how to kill him. But they were afraid of him because the people were so amazed at his teaching. That evening, Jesus and the disciples left the city. The next morning, as they passed by the fig tree he had cursed, 
the disciples noticed it had withered from the roots up. Peter remembered what Jesus had said to the tree on the previous day and exclaimed, Look, Rabbi, the tree you cursed has withered and died. Now, if you're, if you're someone familiar with the Bible or maybe you're kind of new to the Bible, you, you read an encounter like this and you're like, what, what is the deal? Like Jesus is entering Jerusalem. He goes to the temple. He takes a look around, doesn't say anything. They return to Bethany and just kind of hang out for the night. The next day, Jesus is hungry. He notices a fig tree, a place where he can get some fruit. Notices there is no fruit, even though it's kind of out of season. He gets really mad and upset, curses the tree. Like, is Jesus hangry? Like, what, what is the deal? Then he goes into the temple, and it's like his anger just increases. He, he starts to lose his mind in what he sees in the temple. He starts overturning tables and, and kicking people out. And, and he, he basically exclaims, my temple will be called the house of prayer for all nations, but you, you have turned it into a den of thieves. Then he leaves. The religious leaders are beyond upset. Now they're plotting ways to kill him. And then the next day, they go back into Jerusalem and the fig tree that Jesus cursed on the way to the temple has withered and died. So there, there can be a wide range of emotions of like, this, this is confusing. Like, what is this all about? Um, I thought I heard you talk about busyness at the start of this message. So what, what does any of this have to do? Why are we talking about trees? Why are we talking about the temple? Like, what is the deal? Okay, okay, seriously. Like, why is Jesus acting this way? A couple key things to understand in terms of the context to help us understand, first of all, what is annoying Jesus? And then how does that impact our life as well? So the first thing is Jesus goes into Jerusalem where the temple was. Now for the Jewish people, the temple was paramount. It was a key element for the worship of God. It, it housed the very presence of God. And within the temple, you had various courts. You had the outer court, you had the main court, and you had the inner court. The outer court was for the Gentiles, for the non-Jews. The inner court was for the Jewish people, split up between men and women. And then the inner court was the Holy of Holies, where you could only enter the high priest once a year as you entered into the presence of God. And so all of this is taking place in the outer court, in the place where the Gentiles were planning to come to worship and pray and, and recognize just the significance of God in their life. And it's here that Jesus goes off because it's not really a house of prayer. It's been turned into a marketplace. An ancient historian says that Passover was so significant that on this particular week, 255,000, 255,000 lambs would be bought, sold, and then sacrificed in that one week alone. And so when Jesus walks in, like, probably not a great comparison, but a modern day comparison is, imagine being Walmart, Boxing Day, checkout line, and they are now having livestock sold. And you're going there to find a little bit of peace and quiet and maybe meditate upon the goodness of God. It's like, it's like good luck. You're, you're completely disrupted. And, 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 and so Jesus goes off. But there's more, like, the danger is we look at this and think, well, maybe Jesus is just like, listen, clean up the temple, stop making it a marketplace, and then everything is going to be okay. It's part of it, but there's more. And the reason I say that is, like, what is the deal with the tree? Like, sometimes you read things in Scripture and you see the details, and you may wonder, like, why is that even included? Like, why are we told about Jesus seeing a tree, being hungry, wanting fruit, seeing no fruit, cursing the tree, and then the tree actually dies. Like, what is going on? Okay, so I'm the first to admit 
full confession, everything on, on the table here. I know nothing about gardening. I'm the furthest from a green thumb. There's like four categories. There's like, for me, there's like, there's like trees, bushes, flowers, and weeds. And I often confuse them as well. And so I, I'm not trying to like impress you with what I know, but here's some research that when it comes to these fig trees, that basically there's two kinds of fruits for Middle Eastern fig trees. There's the, the fruit fruit, and then there's the pre-fruit. And the sign of health for a fig tree is when the leaves begin to appear, the, the pre-fruit, the pre-figs begin to show up. And this is significant because when Jesus saw the tree from a distance, he could tell the leaves were coming out. It was a time where there should have been some pre-fruit. But when Jesus shows up and realizes that there is no fruit left on the tree, there's, there's no pre-fruit, it was a sign of something more significant. That although the tree had the appearance of being healthy from a distance, it was actually diseased. It was dying inside. You see, the tree is a metaphor for what was happening to God's people as a result of the temple. The temple was established long ago as a means of drawing people into the very presence of God. But the temple was actually causing greater problems. That, that when Jesus saw what was going on in the temple, it wasn't just simply that it turned into a marketplace, but the temple was actually pushing people away from God. You see, when Jesus cursed the fig tree and said it was going to die, it was going to exist no more, he was using it as a metaphor to say, listen, the whole temple and sacrificial system is coming to an end. You see, the temple for the Jewish people represented the presence of God. And the sacrifices represented being atoned, uh, receiving forgiveness from God. And Jesus is like, the temple and the sacrifices are no more. I am the presence of God. I will be the ultimate sacrifice for you. When Jesus says, my temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you've turned it into a den of robbers. Jesus was essentially saying this reality, that that you have found too much comfort in this temple. That although you, you seemingly have this great external presence of being faithful and being godly, it's causing you to die inside. That you are getting further and further away from me. That, that like this tree, you had the external appearance of being healthy. But there was no fruit. There was no evidence of your relationship with God. So, okay, you can look at this and be like, well, that was, that was helpful, Joel. Thank you for the history lesson. Thank you for explaining this passage. But like, what the heck does it mean for us here today? Like, how are we getting back to this idea of, of, of busyness and what does it mean for us in the midst of life? Because we don't have a temple. We don't sacrifice animals. You see, one of the beautiful things about the Bible and Jesus is although the context changes, the principles remain the same. The application is where we lean in. The key in the story is the tree, that the tree and health is signified by fruit, which if you start to read through the Bible, becomes a major image when it comes to the early church. The, the Apostle Paul in Galatians 5 talks about how if you want evidence of the Holy Spirit, of God's Spirit at work in you, it's going to be evidence through the fruit of the Spirit. What is the fruit of the Spirit, you ask? Things like love, 
joy, peace, patience, kindness. That, that the evidence of God at work in our lives is seen in what we are producing. We, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, and, and this is why we continue to come back to it, is that ultimately what Jesus desires when it comes to the reality of following him is not just simply what we do, but rather who are we becoming? Is the reality of God at work evidenced in, in the fruit of our lives? As I think about this initial encounter, the barrier that Jesus identified for the nation of Israel was the temple. The temple which was intended to be good, intended to, to represent the presence of God with the people, had actually become a barrier and was actually preventing the people from entering into the presence of God. I mean, the, the, the non-Jewish people couldn't even go and worship and pray anymore. The, the, the temple had become such a hustle and bustle that, that it was completely defeating its purpose. And so it was no longer a benefit. It was actually a barrier. And so Jesus was literally going to bring it down. What about us? What are some of the barriers that maybe started out good, but become ineffective for us? when it comes to following Jesus. Back to being busy. I think sometimes even within the church, even as followers of Jesus, we, we seem to identify busyness as faithfulness. That, that the more I do for God, the, the better it must be. But have you ever considered that perhaps busyness becomes a barrier? Because ultimately, what does Jesus want? When Jesus says, come and follow me, is his desire to make our lives busier, full of more things to do? Or is it relationship? Let me ask you a question. Think of any relationship you have. Does busyness help or hinder those relationships? I don't know about you, but oftentimes I, I hear the complaint of, of people who just simply want to be with someone else. They're like, listen, I would love to spend more time with them, but they're just so busy. I wonder if at times that's the reality for us when it comes to our relationship with God, that, that we are so busy with life, we are so busy with work, that we are so busy with church activities that we actually miss out on what God wants most to simply be with us, to be in relationship. I think back to the tree, back to the fruit. Does, does business cultivate any of those elements of the reality of the spirit? Does business make us more loving, more patient, more kind? Or does business actually prevent that from happening and cultivating in our life? You see, business can accomplish a lot of tasks but does it produce the fruit of the Spirit? Does it, does it draw us closer and closer to Jesus? You see, there's a danger in busyness. It can distract us from what is most important. And that is our relationship with Jesus. Busyness can also give us a false sense of identity. Have you ever been asked the question, hey, so how are you doing? And typically the top two responses are, oh, I'm good. Just kind of, I don't really want to get into it. Or, or I'm just so busy. I'm so busy. It's almost as if we live in a society where busyness is now a badge of honor. We, 
We see it in churches. How, how busy are you? How many programs are you running? How many, how many things are you doing? And, and it's almost as if we, 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 we need to tell people that, that we are busy. Why? Because busyness means that we're important, that we're needed, that, that we're doing things. Nobody wants to say, no, I'm, I'm actually not that busy. You probably think of the person of like, what the heck is going on? You see, there's danger in busyness. Busyness also binds us or blinds us from, from some of the greatest opportunities that God gives to us. As you start to read the, about the person of Jesus, oftentimes some of his greatest interactions came when he was interrupted. Now, if you're a busy person, how do you handle interruptions? <laughs> you probably get frustrated and move through them quickly or you don't even notice them at all. Uh, for me as a pastor, one of the, one of the things that I want to be is, is more visible in the community. And so one of the things that I continually try to do is, is go hang out in coffee shops and, and do work there. And, and just even this past week, I was hanging around a coffee shop, meeting with someone else for an hour. And I had five other conversations with people, just short kind of hello, hello. But one conversation was amazing. It was, it was, it was, it was incredible to see what happens. And as I walked away from that, I thought, man, I should be spending more time in coffee shops doing worky work. But then it suddenly came, but, but, but I'm busy. I got things I got to do. And just continually gets in the way. Listen, I get it. I get it. There is a hustle to life. There, there are things that we need to get done. But are we allowing busyness to get in the way of what God really wants for you and for me? Not, not only in life, but, but ultimately even in church as well. I, I think to follow Jesus, we, we need to be aware that if we truly want to live this abundant life, that we don't get too caught up in the clamor of busyness in the midst of all things. So, so, so what do we do? What's, what's our response, right? You may be watching this right now, multitasking, you may be cooking dinner, you may be doing something else, whatever it may be. A couple of thoughts that, that for me, I look at in the midst of my life to, to try to push back against the, the busyness or the hurriedness of life. The first one is simple. I, I stopped using I'm so busy as a default answer. I, I actually use it as, as, as a bit of a wake-up call. That, that if I start to say, oh, I'm too busy or I'm too busy, I, I stop and say, wait a second, wait a second. <laughs> why am I saying that? And second of all, why am I allowing myself to fall into that trap? And maybe it's just a good reminder for you as well to, to just land there and say, am I saying this too often? And, and, and why am I saying this? Is it because I want to find my identity in the things that I am doing? Do I want to feel important? Or is there something else going on? The second thing is I come back to this place of realizing that ultimately what God wants is for me to be with him and not just do things for him. I think a lot of times as followers of Jesus, we can get tripped up by this. We, we think that the ultimate sign of faithfulness is how busy we are. And so often when you see the reality of Jesus, he, he just simply wanted to be with people. That, that even when they were doing busy things around him, he almost told them just to stop, just stop, slow down, slow down. Like, let's, let's just spend some time together. You know, one of the great things that, that God gave to us was in the creation of this world, he created for six days, and on the seventh day, he rested. He, he literally stopped. Setting for us the model that, that we need to deliberately interrupt the busyness of life. Because if we don't, if we don't, it'll get, get away from us. 
Yet, yet how many of us actually practice that in the midst of life? Whether it's throughout the day or even once a week of just setting some time aside to say, I'm going to halt the busyness of life. I'm going to take a break. Because I don't know about you, but oftentimes the, the things I want to do, whether it's reading the Bible or spending time in prayer or just sitting quietly listening to God or, 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 or going to church, it's, it seems like yet another task to do. But we're just so busy, so how do we do it? Do we see these as opportunities to actually step away from the busyness, to reflect upon what God wants for us, to, to take us out of the hustle and bustle of life and truly begin to live that abundance. Jesus makes this promise to us as well. He says, listen, come to me if you are weary, if you're busy, if you're overrun, and I will give you rest. But to do that, to do that, we have to first acknowledge the busyness of life, to stop and to come back to Jesus. When Jesus has come and follow him, it's it's here that we begin to get into the rhythm of life, of, of truly living this sense of abundance. And remember, remember, busyness is not one of the fruit of the Spirit. Busyness does not equal faithfulness. And so what are you cultivating in your life? What is the fruit of your life? Are you developing greater love and joy and peace and patience and kindness? Or are you so stinking busy? that you just don't have time to even think about that. This is the gift of life with Jesus. It's countercultural. He, he pulls us away from the things that so often society elevates and says there's something greater, there's something more. If we truly want this abundant life, we need to be willing to battle the busyness of life and recognize the simplicity of life with Jesus. So, this week, this week. Would you just be aware in your life? I don't want to add anything to your life. I'm sure you're already too busy, but just simply be aware of the rhythms of your life. And what would it look like to just pause, to take a break, to, to take a few moments every day, to just stop at the end of the day or at the beginning of the day and just say, listen, listen, listen. Jesus, I want to be more aware of your presence. I don't want to allow the busyness of life to pull me away from you. I know for me as a pastor, I have to be keenly aware of not making other people's lives so busy that they can't truly just spend time with Jesus. This week, this week, what can you do to begin to eliminate the busyness in your life and to begin to experience this abundance that Jesus desires for you? Let me pray before we wrap up. And so, Lord Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for, for those that are watching who have just taken this time to, to kind of set aside everything else that they're doing and to focus on you. Jesus, I don't know their circumstances or their situations, and I'm, I'm sure they have many things going on. And Lord God, I just pray this message is not one that brings a sense of guilt, but it brings a greater sense of release to realize that what is most important to you, Jesus, is us spending time with you, not the things we do for you. And so may we not allow busyness to become a marker of our identity in life or our faithfulness to you. May we focus on you. May we truly experience this rest that you offer. For we ask it, Jesus, in your name. Amen. And so, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
the blessing of God the Father and the peace of the Holy Spirit be with you today and give you rest in the midst of whatever you're facing. Amen. podcast today. We hope that you were encouraged by what you just heard. Just so you know a little bit more about who we are, hashtag for Paris, our church is about creating a culture that shows people that we are for them and for our local community. Jesus invites us to experience a meaningful life with him and others. So we meet every Sunday morning in person at the Paris Presbyterian Church at 1030 a.m. and throughout the week in various home groups and pubs here in Paris. It is here that we experience authentic relationships and we grow deep in our faith journeys together. If you would like to connect with us further, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And it is here that you can find links to any of our other audio and video podcasts, sermons, and you can track with what's happening with us each month. Please go straight to our website for more information now about our home groups and how you can get involved. Our website is parispres.ca. Yes, that's right, parispresb, P-R-E-S-B dot C-A. And it's there that you can share our links with your friends, family, and neighbors. Uh, We have friends from around the world who connect in with us online on a regular basis. And so lastly, please feel free to email me and get connected directly. I would love to chat with you. My email is leah at parispres.ca, and I'll get right back to you. So that's all we have for now. Thanks again for joining, and we'll see you again next week. Bye for now, everyone.